Well, as we move into chapter 4 of the book of Esther, we come to the famous section, Perhaps you've come or attained royalty for such a time as this. And Esther really had to decide if she was going to trust in the Lord, if she was going to step up to save her people, if her faith was going to be bigger than her fear. And we all have to face that. And we all have to find the courage from the Lord and even within to do the right thing, to take a stand when it's time. We're going to explore that more today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. In many uh, instances in Scripture, there are stories of those who tore their clothes. For example, in Numbers 14.6, when the people said, we want to go back to Egypt, Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. David, in uh, 2 Samuel 1.11, tore his clothes when he, heard, when he learned of Abner's death. When he learned of the death of Amnon in 13.31, he tore his clothes. Uh, and when Jerusalem was being threatened by the Assyrians and word came to Hezekiah, uh, there were two that came to him, I believe, here, and they tore their clothes when they heard the military leader of the Assyrians saying, we're going to take your town. And even one commentator says, the Persians in Susa would have recognized the significance of Mordecai's behavior, for they too tore their clothes in grief when they were defeated by the Greeks at the Battle of uh, Salamis, close quote. And so this was kind of an ancient way to uh, express uh, that you were wounded and in pain and in grief and in mourning. And it apparently spilled over to other cultures, including the Persian culture. And so Mordecai's in the middle of the street. And imagine how Mordecai feels because he knows that Haman has done what he's done because Mordecai refused to bow to Haman. And so somewhere deep in his soul, he has to feel some personal responsibility, something like this. I couldn't imagine that it would ever come to this. Have you ever been in a situation where you have a personal issue with somebody? Maybe, you know, there's some unsettled dispute and all of a sudden it spills over into all these areas and you, th you think to yourself, I had no idea this was going to be the ripple effect of this situation. Now, nowhere in the text is Mordecai blamed for not bowing. I think he did it for his own reasons, probably because he knew who Haman was. He knew he was an Agagite. He knew uh, that, you know, he was a twisted, evil man, whatever his reasons were. But now, can you imagine being Mordecai and thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? They, they have issued a decree that all Jews die? Talk about what seems to be an overreaction, but we know there's something deeper working. And what's deeper that's working is an ancient feud and an ancient enemy named Satan, who goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to... Do you believe that? He goes about seeking someone to literally drink you down. In fact, Jesus said to Peter that Satan's been demanding permission to sift you as wheat, Peter but I have prayed for you. Do you know that was right before Peter denied the Lord three times? Is that Jesus said to him, I'm warning you, Peter, this is real. And then he says, when you've turned again, strengthen your brethren. You're gonna fall, but you're gonna recover. I'm gonna restore you. Some of you have fallen to the lion. 
You have been devoured in some way. You have been chewed on and sometimes you feel like you've been spit out. But be of good cheer because there's a chance to be restored. There's a chance to start again. That's what happened for Peter and it can happen for all of us. And so he went as far, Mordecai did, as the king's gate, verse 2, chapter 4, for no one was to enter the king's gate, this is the Persian king, clothed in sackcloth. This may just be a matter of etiquette or that they didn't want any mourners going in there or the king was somehow isolated. But he could only go as far as the king's gate. And from this gate, he had previously uh, had some communication that he, had, he was able to get to Esther through the staff, through the Persian staff. He was able to check on her welfare and he was able to get messages to her about the plot that the two guys came up with to try to kill the king. So he was able to communicate, but it seems like he had to do it through other people. And so he did this from this area right outside the king's gate, right outside the, the royal court. You can check out chapter two, verse 11 and chapter two, verse 22. And in each and every province where the command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, you can imagine why, with fasting, weeping and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. In every province, everywhere where this decree had gone out into all the 127 provinces by the couriers, and it had been posted and delivered and talked about, Everywhere you looked in the street in the provinces, there were Jews laying on sackcloth in ashes, wailing, weeping, because they felt like their, their fate was sealed. There was a, an official decree from the king. They thought it was over. And so all they could do was cry out to God. They put on sackcloth. They put on ashes. But the word prayer is conspicuous by its absence. It doesn't say they prayed. I believe that it's implied that they prayed. I don't know how they couldn't have prayed, but it doesn't say that they prayed. And I suppose it's possible just for a moment to talk about the fact that we can go through the outward without having the reality. We can put on the right clothing, the right dress, show up at the right places. We can look spiritual, but maybe we fail to do the essential thing, which is to pray. And by the way, you don't have to do all that stuff to pray. You can pray without ceasing. You can be in constant communication with God. There are special times when you may feel like you need to fast, when you may feel like there's a more intense time to pray over a matter. But here, you can see that everybody's in anguish. Everybody's uh, crying out, sackcloth and ashes. Even in Jonah chapter 3, the Ninevites knew how to do this, to put on sackcloth and ashes and to cry out to God. They knew how to repent. Then Esther's maidens, four, and her eunuchs, she's the queen, remember, came and told her. And the queen writhed in great anguish. Now, to this point, I don't think the queen really knows what's going on. And remember, nobody would be quick to tell her because they didn't know that she was Jewish. And so she, in some way, may have been shielded or removed from these kinds of communications, but eventually the word came to her. And notice the queen's response. She began to writhe in great anguish. I read an author this week who was talking about Christians who have kind of stepped back in their Christian commitment. They're cut off from fellowship. They don't uh, spend a whole lot of time in Bible study. They don't go to church much. And so they're a little bit ignorant of the plight of Christians around the world or 
prayer needs of others in a fellowship because they're simply disconnected because their world has become uh, separate from the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches us that we are part of the body of Christ and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Uh, The eye can't say to the ear or to the nose or to the mouth, I have no need of you. But somehow we can, in the modern uh, way that we walk out our faith, it's easy to disconnect. It's easy, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about persecuted Christians in the Middle East. I don't want to hear about that. Because sometimes we can feel overwhelmed by the needs just in our own congregation, amen? How many of you are on the prayer chain for the church? Just raise up your hand right now. Okay, so you know what it's like, right? Uh, It just seems like every day there's another need, another person who's sick, another person who's struggling. And it can seem overwhelming until you know something important to remember. You are not running the universe. (laughs) He is. It's a good thing to remember. I had a pastor that I would see regularly in the gym. And sometimes we talk about pastor kind of things. And he, he would say to me, Pastor Michael, one thing I, I always try to remember is, it's not my church. It's not my church. And I know people say, oh, that's Pastor so-and-so's church, and that's Pastor so-and-so's church. No, it's really not. It's Jesus's church. <laughs> He's the good shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd under the chief shepherd, amen? And so uh, if I can remember that his shoulders are much bigger than mine, maybe I can... I can not bear unnecessary burdens. I can trust him even with all the prayer needs. But Esther was writhing in great anguish. The the language could mean she was shocked, appalled, and she sent garments, notice, to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. He refused to take the garments of mourning off. Why do you think that Esther offered him a garment that would reflect normal dress. Well, there's all kinds of uh, conjecture. Some commentators say maybe it was because she was a little bit embarrassed or maybe it was because she, you know, somehow wanted to cover it up or whatever. That's simply conjecture. I don't think that's the case. I think you can answer it this way. Maybe it was for him to, to take off the garment of mourning and have access directly to her. So maybe it was just simply... She wanted to give him some normal clothing so he could come in and have a face-to-face conversation. That's possible. We don't have to live and die with it. But, but he refused it. He would not take off the garments of mourning. He would not put on normal garments. It was not a normal time. Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen says these words. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Jeremiah 31, 15. Many of you who are Bible students know that that very verse is quoted by Matthew in Matthew chapter two after Herod kills the babies in Bethlehem two years and under. And that verse is quoted there by Matthew where Rachel, representing Israel, says, I I will not receive your comfort right now. All I can do is cry. All I can do is mourn. I'm not going to act like life is normal right now because I'm mourning. And the Bible says there is a time for mourning and there's a time for dancing, right? There's a time to, to weep and a time to laugh. And, and there's, it's hard sometimes to know, you know, 
what does that look like? And is there a, a deadline for these kinds of things? Look, there's no perfect science to these kinds of things. But Israel, when someone died, like... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther, but his fingerprints are all over it? The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary, everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation. The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only He can. Get your copy of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching of the entire book of Esther for such a time as this. Yours as a thank you for your financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Today, it's very important to know what you believe and why you believe it. Do you have an answer when your friends, family, or coworker asks you about your faith in Christ? The Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith. You can take online or on-campus classes on subjects like Christian apologetics, Christian doctrine, world religion, contemporary cults, and much more. Enrollment for the spring quarter is open now until April 12th. Visit thetruthacademy.com today to register. That's thetruthacademy.com. See you in class. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The Bible says there is a time for mourning and there's a time for dancing, right? There's a time to, to weep and a time to laugh. And, and there's, it's hard sometimes to know, you know, what does that look like? And is there a, a deadline for these kinds of things? Look, there's no perfect science to these kinds of things. But Israel, when someone died like Moses or Aaron, they mourned for 30 days and they kind of stopped everything and they went into a, a period of mourning. And, and so many times I think in American culture, we feel like people should just move on. It's not that easy. And so we just have to give each other grace in those situations. I want to show you, uh, as you hold your place in Esther, something in Isaiah 61. This is something that Jesus quoted. Turn over to your right, Isaiah 61. If you don't want to turn there, just listen to it. It's a beautiful prophecy that Jesus reads a portion of as he's in the synagogue. And uh, that's recorded in Luke 4. But here, let's look at Isaiah 61. And I want to show you something it says about the Messiah that he'll do for people. King Jesus. It says these words. Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord, reading from the NIV, is on me. Because, 61.1, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them, notice, a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isn't that beautiful? What Jesus wants to give us, instead of the garments of mourning, the crown uh, of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
but the Lord knows that we need help. Back to the book of Esther, he knows how to speak that word in due season that can bring us hope. He is the God of hope. And there's a lot of hopeless situations in our world, or a lot of hopeless moments. I, I mentioned in our prayer uh, tonight that a pastor in the LA area has committed suicide. Can I tell you, I think over this last weekend, can I tell you in 20 years of pastoral ministry, I cannot remember one time hearing of a pastor who committed suicide. And now I've heard of two pastors committing suicide in the last about three months. Uh, the previous one here in Chino, right, in the next town. And I have to ask the question, what's going on? And, and, and I think it's simply this. I, I think, yes, life can feel like it caves in on us. Yes, uh, life can get heavy. Sometimes we feel like there's no way out, but Jesus is the way of escape. He's the way to deal with these issues. We, we've got to look to him and look, Sometimes there are wider issues, right? We, we need help on many levels oftentimes. But, but if you're hurting, you gotta tell somebody. You, you gotta be vulnerable and say, look, I'm on the edge here and I'm gonna do something stupid and it's okay if you're feeling that way. It'd be better to share it with somebody than not to share it and continue to combust on the inside and do something tragic. And so... Back in Esther 3, or I'm sorry, 4, verse 5, Esther summoned a man named Hathak from the king's eunuchs, whom the king, Esther 4, 5, 5, appointed to attend her and ordered him to go to Mordecai. So Esther gets him to go to Mordecai out in the streets. Mordecai can't come in. He goes out to learn what this was and why it was. Now, I think that uh, this is my own personal opinion. I think Esther knows what's going on, but she's looking for the particulars. Have you ever been in a situation where you hear something and you're like, what? And why? And I think she wants to understand more of what's going on. What's happened and why? What is going on? And so Hathak went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews, verse 8. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict, which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her, and to order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. And Hathak came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. Can you imagine? Esther was already writhing in anguish. Now she gets more detail. She's, as we would say, caught up to speed. And maybe Hathak said, you're going to have to sit down for this one. Because I got a lot to tell you. This all started when your cousin, your adoptive father, wouldn't bow to Haman. And Haman got and more and more angry every day. And he went into the king and he hatched this plot. And he convinced the king. And now there's an edict and it's gone everywhere. And here's a copy of it. Can you imagine? She's sitting there at a table reading the edict, edict going, Are you? No, no. Sealed with the signet ring of the king. And so the last words repeated through this eunuch is that you must go to the king. 
You must go, Esther, and you must beg him for the life of your people. And Esther may have taken a gulp right there and thought, he doesn't even know I'm Jewish. I've been hiding it. Now I am called to step forward. My adoptive father, I'm supposed to honor my mother and my father, has challenged me. In fact, the language has ordered me to go to the king and plead for the people. Esther's life, we have to admit, has been one of at least some compromise. She's in a pagan court. She's obviously the queen, and we could say God's hand on, is on that, but she's had to compromise many of her values, I'm sure, to be there and live the way that she has had to live. And so she sends a reply back to Mordecai. This servant is kind of like the middleman, and now he takes the message, and he's got to walk it out. And here's the message. Esther spoke to Hathak and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court, you know this, she might say to Mordecai, who is not summoned. If we come to that court and we have not been summoned, he has but one law, and that he or she be put to death. Unless the king holds out to him we could add her, the golden scepter, so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. It's been a month since he's even asked me to come and see him. You might say, well, how is that possible? She's the queen. Remember, he has a huge harem, and she's been married to him for over five years now. And they say in marriage, if you can make it past seven years, you're, you're doing well, right? Have you guys heard those statistics? I'm not sure if they're all true or whatever, but anyway. But we know how uh, it's possible, given this man's loose morals and unrighteous sexual ethics, it's possible that when he added to his harem year after year that a new girl had caught his fancy. That maybe his desire for Esther had cooled. Uh, this is the reality of the Persian court. He had all these women at his beck and call, and he could call upon them when he wanted to. And she says in the uh, communication back to Mordecai, he hasn't called on me in a month. I haven't seen him in a month. And you could read between the lines, Esther's kind of saying something like this, I don't even know if he likes me anymore. I don't even know what my standing is with him. And I entered into this a particular position because the one before me, Vashti, wouldn't make him a turkey sandwich. That's, that's veggie tales. That's not the actual. But she wouldn't come. And, and who knows what happened to her now. I don't know if you guys have been watching the uh, Leah Remini series. She's doing an expose on Scientology. And the wife of the leader of Scientology, what's his name again? Uh, David Miscavige, um, his wife has not been seen publicly, I think, for, what is it, seven or more years? Nobody's seen her. She's like MIA, missing in action. And some of the people believe that she knows so much that David Miscavige has her locked away somewhere with guards under lock and key, lest she expose the true nature of Scientology. And let me just say to you, the true nature of Scientology is that it is a diabolical, nasty, terrible religion. And I put religion in quotes. Duping and ripping off hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, devastating their lives. 
And what they have to do is they have to try to hide and move things around and, and do what they do. Well, she says, he hasn't even called on me in 30 days. And, you know, Esther's human. And she has to be thinking, maybe, you know, if I walk in there unsummoned, maybe for the king it would be easier that he doesn't extend the royal scepter. He just says, I'm done with her anyway. And I, and I could die. You know, Satan said of man, skin for skin, all that a man has will he give in exchange for his life. And Satan said to God, if you remove the hedge from Job, he'll curse you to, to your face, right? Now, Satan didn't really know Job, right? Because Job still worshiped the Lord. But there is this human tendency, our first reaction to big problems is the road of least resistance. Can I get a witness? Yes, if we are honest, we all have to say an amen to that. It is easier for most of us to sweep things under the rug than to face confrontation. Friend, we do have my teaching of the entire book of Esther on a flash drive, and we'd love to send it to you as a thank you when you give a $30 donation or more to Walk in Truth at walkintruth.com. We really appreciate your support of the ministry to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to everywhere that we can, everyone that listens, but we want to expand our territory as well. You can mail in your donation. You can give online. You can get all the information as you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'll make sure you tune in tomorrow as we see Queen Esther face the dilemma of facing her king without being summoned, but she does it on behalf of her people, risking her life in doing so for such a time as this. Until then, God bless you. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.